When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby with Mary Kate Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and Irene Harris. It is Wednesday, right? It's Wednesday, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've all lost track of days at this point. We're just trying to grind through here before the official start of Baker Week, but Mary Kate Baker Week is kind of here. So get everybody caught up here. Cynthia Freeland reported that Baker said something about the Browns. She's backtracked, and apparently today Baker backtracked a little. Or a lot. He walked it back. I mean, he basically denied saying what she said he said, which was, I'm going to expletive up, I'm going to expletive them up, meaning, of course, the Browns, okay? So uh, that's what she said on the podcast. Uh, Then, you know, I followed up with Miles Garrett yesterday. Miles said, we are going to use this, we're going to take it, and we're going to use it as motivation. Um, Baker Mayfield finally came out today. Uh, this was their first availability since this happened. He addressed it. Uh, he didn't shy away from any of these questions. He never does. So, you know, he answered everything, uh, but he started out with, that's not how I said it. That's not, he said, that is not how I phrased it. That's not even what I said. It seemed like he was saying that she said that to me, and I said, yeah, me too. You know, like he was just, you know, affir- you know reaffirming what she was saying. So we've got a whole he said, she said thing going on here. But nevertheless, the Browns are going to have some fun with this. So somebody's making something (laughs) up here, right? Like somebody's making something up. Either she's making it up, and I don't know if I necessarily believe that, or Baker is making up that he didn't say it. Right. This is just, this is a mess, It's funny. It's just funny. (laughs) Now, like, I can, like, to be fair to Baker Mayfield... I can see a world in which his version of events happened, right? And, like, sometimes, you know, reporters can be colorful. Things can get potentially embellished when you're not in, like, a traditional beat reporter role, I think. So I I could see a world in which that happened. But I can also very easily see a world in which that conversation did happen basically exactly as she described. And now Baker Mayfield knows he's going to have Miles Garrett waiting for him after making those comments. So he's being careful to try to walk back some of that bulletin board material because he does know these guys and how they use things and how they'll respond. But I think the important takeaway from today is at this point, for the people in this building, it doesn't matter whether or not he said what he said, as Greg Newsom kind of talked about at length today. I, re- I mean, it just feels to me like everybody got caught. Like, this, this is how people sound when, when they get caught. And yeah. I, <laughs> that's how I kind of read all this. This is my theory. I think Baker had an adrenaline rush after he made that statement the entire day. And then all of a sudden he woke up in a, a cold sweat after a, a crazy dream of Miles Garrett, you know, <laughs> coming towards him for a sack, and then we won game. And then Dallas Moe said, "I gotta backtrack this. I can't. I, I can't let this happen." And so then that's when we saw in the press conference, and I don't, you know, this is quote unquote, one of the actual words, but pretty much saying, um, 
that's not how I phrased it. I, you know, as you said it. Uh, so yeah, I think it's just a whole sense of just him going from walking forward to walking ten steps back. Mary Kay, my first thought today, and kind of listening to Baker, I feel like we've heard this so many times before. Like, like this keeps happening. It, like, how many of these press conferences did we have? Uh, somebody mentioned Daniel Jones. You know, when he said stuff about Daniel Jones, and then he had to backtrack that, and then this has happened again and again and again with Baker. I, I mean, you have kids, I have kids. We know, like, at some point it comes to, like, you got to stop doing this. Like, whatever was said, whatever happened, whether it was entirely what Cynthia Freeland said he said, or I'm going to say the word say and said a million times, or if what he's saying is true, like, something happened, and he had to stand in front of the media and backtrack it, and at some point it kind of becomes like, Baker, how many times are you going to do this? Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I guess it depends on if you believe him or not in this situation. I mean, if he, if those words did not come out of his mouth, then, you know, then I guess, you know, we have to kind of wonder about whether or not he did stick his foot in his mouth again, or if he got caught up in a moment of just saying, yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. And then it was interpreted like that. Um, so, yeah, this was uh, this is a little bit of a tricky one. So I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it does sound like something he would say if he. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely sounds like something he would say if he knew he were going to be off the record for sure. But you know, the fact that he's saying that he didn't say it, I can't honestly say that I know that he said it. Right. I, I mean, that's like nobody knows. There's two people who know. Right. And none of them are going to admit it. Right. But at the same time, Ashley, I, I guess what I'm getting at is like. Mary Kay said, if this sounds like something Baker would say, and at some point, when do you stop giving him the benefit of the doubt? Because well, we know what, he would say something like this. That's the exact phrase I was going to use, because, like you said, Dan, you kind of laid out these past instances of this, like, it makes you not want to give him the benefit of the doubt now, or it makes it easier to not give him that and just assume, like, yeah, this conversation probably happened, and he either agreed with it or said it, Whatever, but I just think because of Baker Mayfield's past and the things he's tended to say and the way he fires himself up, that it, it definitely lends itself to people believing the first version of events they heard. And the reality is, like, a lot of people are going to remember that first version. People aren't going to remember this Baker backtrack. <laughs> you know, it's news today. But a week from now, people are going to be like, remember when Baker said I'm going to expletive oh them up? That's going to be the narrative going forward. <laughs> yeah, I, re I mean, the, on social media on September 11th, it's going to be like, he's going to throw an interception or he's going to get sacked or and Twitter's going to go nuts. Like, that's all we're going to see because everybody's going to be watching this game, not just people in Cleveland, not just people in Carolina. This is going to be just attention everywhere. This phrase, whether he said it or not, it's kind of, it sort of is ingrained now in the history of this Baker and the Browns rivalry, whether it actually was said or not. Yeah, I think uh, he's probably going to walk into the locker room and pull a Michael Scott saying it's over, we are screwed. Because he just <laughs> gave not only, only the players bulletin board material, Kevin Stefanski bulletin board material. Also, you mentioned social media, he had the Cleveland Browns social media uh, team, even more bulletin board 
uh, material. So they're going to have those plays ready for when he makes that terrible pass going to DJ Moore, when he's running away and Garrett chases him and he goes down for a fumble and they're down three touchdowns in the first half. But they're going to be ready for that. Now, not to say that's all going to happen, but who knows. So, yes, they're going to be ready. And Mary Kay, I thought Greg Newsom very telling today. He kind of said, like, it doesn't matter if he said it or not, we're using it. Yeah, I really tried to get Greg going on that today. So, uh, yeah, I, I was uh, firing away. And Greg, and I'm like, are, you know, can you use this if, you know, if he walked this back? Greg's like, heck, yeah, we're using this, even though uh, he's, you know, he's now saying that he didn't say it. But, you know, Greg, uh, you know, to his credit, he doesn't shy away from this kind of stuff either. No. He enjoys mixing it up. He enjoys trash talking. I think he's excited that there's something to kind of, talk about, play for, uh, you know, something to kind of, you know, just spice it up a little bit as if it needed more spice. Yeah. And it's like with Greg, especially, I just was thinking back to the beginning of training camp when I started asking about that PFF graphic that ranked the top duos in, in the league, the top cornerback duos in the league. And that was from like months earlier. And I happen to remember like, oh, he tweeted that. And he went on about that for a long time about using that for motivation. He's definitely one of those guys that is just dialed into social media and Twitter for better, more so than for worse in some cases. Well, and the other day I, there was this graphic I think it was a fantasy football graphic, and it had Nick Chubb as a tier four running back. Yeah, and Greg Newsom like chimed in on, on Twitter on that. So I re- he sees this and stuff. he like even the sorry really quick just yeah. even the NFL 100 list. I think he was going on yeah. about Denzel being too low on it. Go ahead. Oh no, I think uh, I mean the, when it comes to those types of lists, and I know they were common saying that that was specific, uh, specifically for fantasy football. Either way, who cares? I, if, if you know if you're an actual fan, you've seen Nick Chubb. Just like we've seen him in person, even even when they're going fifty percent through the walkthroughs, just those times you're just like, wow, look at him go. You know, he, he's probably you can say the most underrated play offensively in the league. I don't think he gets as much prop, much props for that. So with even more maturity, as I look forward to him using that as fuel and just killing everyone in front of him. So, you know, Mary Kay, I, so there's the Cincinnati thing too, and Greg kind of entertained that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I actually want to find out, because he says he's the biggest trash talker in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase said that Denzel Ward talks. Wow. If, if like, he, do you remember like when he yes. went on that pie? He's like, Denzel Ward's a talker, too. Like, yeah. that, that's the one that surprised me. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, he just must have, you know, an alter ego or a different personality <laughs> that comes out on the field then, because he is certainly, you know, not like that in the locker room. He's not like that necessarily in, in interviews. So if he's out there talking it up, then... Uh, that's a side of him that, you know, that we really don't know. But uh, if he does do that, then that's cool because uh, then you'd have Greg and Denzel back there representing like the dogs used to back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Hanford Dixon, Frank Minifield, uh, and what those guys meant to this football team in this city. And, you know, I, think, I do think it's time for the secondary to kind of step up and, and sort of, to use a Baker phrase, plant its flag <laughs> in this city, right, and, and really show... Uh, what they're all about, and I think that they have the potential to be one of the best secondaries in the NFL, and if they want to talk a little bit, have at it. I, I think a defense needs that. I think on offense you can get away with sort of being, you know, just kind of meh, but I think a defense has to have a little bit of that edge. And Like, when I think of great defenses, right, you think of the 2000 Ravens, and just 
there's so many personalities on just all those great Ravens defenders in the 2000s. Um, the Bears, back all going all the way back to the 80s, like you, you can think of those personalities. And I, I just think a great defense. Yeah, I remember Jacksonville, the year, the random year they had like the best defense in the league. Like even that defense had swagger, and that was for like one year. I, <clears throat> I think great defenses have to have a little bit of swagger. And, and so I like to see it. Yeah, and I think these guys kind of do. Like I'm thinking back to. This offseason, especially, where they most of them had another year together, but think we talked about constantly how much these guys talk, and that's something we can't report on what is being said by them on the <laughs> practice field, but if we could, I mean, basically in every phase of that defense, they have somebody who is talking constantly, whether it's Greg Newsom, JJ3, JOK, Miles, you know, gets in there, gets very, you know, has that personality and things like that. So I really do think that there is so much more personality on this defense than this offense, and it's just given who the offensive stars are, right? Like Nick Chubb, very quiet, kind of keeps to himself. Amari Cooper, very cerebral. Um, get, when he talks, he kind of sounds like a coach, but mm-hmm. not that kind of mercurial receiver personality that most people are used to in NFL receivers. Uh, so I do think this team, a lot of their personality comes from these guys. And and I really like, obviously Miles said what he said when, when Mary Kay talked to him yesterday, but Miles... When he's on the field, doesn't have that, like, he's more like an entertainer. You know, that's sort of how how he reacts to things. And Jadavion's kind of just, you know, he's sort of like that a little bit too. That back end, though, they've got some potential to sort of be that that attitude, I guess, for this secondary. They're or the, this defense, I should say. Yeah, no, they're the leaders of this defensive unit. Uh, I, I know in recent seasons, especially with Miles, who one of the best players in the league total. Has there ever been a time where we felt that this defensive unit should have deserved a number one spot as far as being the best defensive unit in the league? And if not, do we believe that that could happen this upcoming season? I, I, th- I mean, I think that they can be a top five for sure, which, I mean, if I'm going to say that, then, yeah, they, they could certainly play their way into that. Yeah, I mean, I guess the potential is there. The potential is there. It's it's tough to, um, you know, it's, it's going to be tough, I think, to beat the Rams, you know, in that regard, and some other really, really good defenses, but um, but they were top five last year, you know, and it's easy to forget that they were a number five overall defense in in twenty twenty one. So certainly, I think they're going to be better. So yeah, I, I do think you know if they can add in that one element of creating those takeaways, which they really, really need to do, um, and then you know establish their dominance in that regard then, you know, I think they can have that crown. Ashley, I mean, is this a top five unit? Yeah, I mean, like Mary Kay said, they were last year. I think all the pieces are there. I think it just bodes really well that last year, so many of their earlier issues, you know, when outsiders are calling for Joe Woods' head, basically, didn't have anything to do with his coaching style or his scheme or anything like that. It was that guys were hurt and they were, it was their first year for a lot of them and they hadn't played together much. So, you know, I do think we're going to see a lot more of that, a lot more of that Joe Woods dime defense, like we talked about yesterday, positionless football a little bit more, and all of that bodes really well when you're going up against these top quarterbacks in the NFL especially. All right, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about something a little bit different on the other side real quick uh, before we call it a podcast. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and Irie Harris. We've got some good stuff coming up. 
on the site. And the first of those good things, uh, we'll keep the other stuff on the down low until it comes out, but the first of those good things posted today, we're recording this on Wednesday. I tweeted this out when Mary Kay first told me this story. I think I made the eyeballs emoji. Like it was so wild. So Mary Kay, you put up a story about Michael Woods who made the roster, sixth round pick, right? Yeah, sixth yeah. round pick, made the roster, guy they really like. Um, and this story was like, whoa, I, like, I can't believe this. You know, I just had this really cool conversation with Michael um, about now, about a month ago, uh, because it was before he pulled his hamstring, which I think was on August 5th. Um, so we sat down at training camp. And now out here at training camp, just to peel back the curtain a little bit, um, we get these opportunities to, you know, sit down one-on-one -on -one with a guy in just sort of a, you know, a little bit more of a private one-on-one -on -one setting. You know, you, you sit outside on a, you know, on a couch and, you know, you have an opportunity to really dive in and, and get to know a guy a little bit. And so we just started talking. One thing led to another. And it just was a really good interview. And I remember walking away from the interview and, and Dan, you said, wow, that looked like it was a good interview. Yeah. <laughs> like, what were you guys talking about over there? And I was like, well, it actually was one of the better interviews that I've ever had with a player. Um, and he opened up about the fact that when he was four years old, he ended up slipping to the bottom of the family pool that was six feet underwater. He was down there um, for a period of time. Nobody knows exactly how, minute, how many minutes yet, but he was unconscious at the bottom of the pool. Um, and um, his mom had a friend over. She pulled him out of the pool. His dad was there. They gave him uh, CPR. One thing led to another. He had to go into a medically induced coma. But some of the real interesting keys about the story were the fact that he had an out-of-body experience and he saw himself as a four-year-old boy looking down at himself at the bottom of the pool. And he's got other things, too, uh, like that. But then his mom also had a vision when she was in the hospital and she put her hands on him and she was praying and she had a vision of him running with a football. And in that moment, she knew her son was going to make it, and she knew he was going to be okay. And so the story just delves into all the details of that. And, um, and then he also had another turning point in his life a little bit later. Uh, but hopefully, if you get a chance, read the story. Um, I asked, I texted um, Alice Woods, the mom, a little bit later this afternoon after she thanked me for the story. And I said, had that story ever been told before? And she said, no, this was the first time. Wow. And I kind of didn't want to know ahead of time <laughs> if it was or it wasn't. I didn't really go looking real hard for it. Uh, I just kind of wanted to tell it the way I wanted to tell it. And so I did come to find out that that was the first time that that has ever been told. So I was honored to tell it. Uh, I'm grateful that Michael shared his story with me like that. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. And the crazy thing, really quick, too, I mean, I texted Mary Kay when I was reading it, the story about his mom having the vision. I mean, the thing that just struck me about her saying, I saw him at, like, 9 or 10 carrying a football, he hadn't even started playing any kind of football yet. Right. It made it even crazier. I mean, it brought, I literally, I think I texted you, I'm crying right now, and I really was. I had tears in my eyes because it just was such a powerful, I guess, quote from his mom and, and everything. You did a very nice job telling it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and there are these cool moments in training camp where you sit down, like you said, I, I was able to kind of look over and see that interview. She's been over there for a long time, and he <laughs> seems really, like, engaged and, like... There, there's just these times when you sit down and you talk to somebody and it's like, oh, I think there's something here. And um, yeah, that's always exciting. So to see it finally turn in, like you said, it happened a month ago, but yeah. to see it finally yeah. turn into that story, to see the finished product was cool. And Irie, 
you are certainly going to have your opportunities to, to sit down and, and chat with guys as well. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's, uh, I'm going to go back to my favorite word. It's a process, so that, that come about is not right now. But regarding the article, Mary Kay, I think I remember saying it too as we were walking back inside the facility. I, you know, I was like, wait, like, how did you find out about that? And, and you said right there in the interview, I I think I told you this too. I thought you had dug through like two tunnels and asked like ten, twenty people, <laughs> you know, just finding that like how did you find out? And, and that just that's really the most impressive thing about it. If, if this was this first time saying that story throughout this time, like to anybody that was not there at the scene, that just shows you asked the right you know the right questions to get that out of them. In a prime reporting example, I think too, like to ask these guys when you see things like tattoos or like jewelry like if you right. see something that you think might be meaningful mm-hmm. to ask about it because you never know what they're going to say yeah I, you know i mean and sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. right i mean we all know that sometimes you just have a moment where it works out and you uh, you get going on something and and you just know that you're in the midst of a really cool interview um, and, and other times it, you know, you could sit there with somebody for half an hour. You're just like, mm, like I just teeth. don't yeah. know where this is going. Right. And so that kind of stuff happens too. But this was one of those situations where, uh, I think it was, I, I felt like it was meant to be. Now, Miles Garrett does not believe that things happen for a reason. Yeah, I still do sort of feel like things happen. This, we could do a whole podcast on that and maybe we will one of these days. But I sort of feel like things do happen for a reason. And I don't know, I felt like I was meant to do that story. I, th- I think, too, sometimes what I've learned is um, sometimes the player, you sit down and talk to the player, and it turns out the player isn't actually the star of the story. Like, yeah. I, did, um, I did a story on Ronnie Harrison a couple years ago, and it was actually a story about Ronnie Harrison's mom. Like, it wasn't a story about Ronnie, it was a story about his mom. And, like, somebody else in that player's life kind of becomes the star of the story. That wasn't necessarily the case in this story, but it's just interesting the way these things can go as you sort of delve into it, and it still makes for a for a good story. Well, the thing about this story is that, um, so I did the interview, and then he pulled the hamstring. Yeah. And so I really couldn't write the story when he wasn't practicing. It just didn't seem like it makes sense, and we were so busy with Deshaun Watson stuff that, you know, it just kind of fell by the wayside a little bit, and he wasn't in practice, wasn't in practice, but I was sweating out, you know, like somebody Maybe. else, right? I mean, I was sweating out somebody else talking to him and, and, and them, you know, getting this story and me sort of losing my sort of featurey scoop here. And so I was really quite worried about that. Um, but then, so, and I waited and waited, but it turned out to be the best thing that could have happened for the story mm-hmm. because I got a hold of his mom yesterday. And his mom was amazing. Thank you, Ellis Woods. She was <laughs> fabulous. And she gave me all of the details. I mean, she pulled it all together for me. I mean, you know, I had the name of the person that pulled him out of the pool. I had. I remember, uh, you know, a, a journalism teacher once said, get the name of the dog. Remember I've said <laughs> yes, that before? Yes, you've said that, yes. Get the name of the dog, right? So, I, you know, I, I was thinking, i got to get the name of the dog. <laughs> so, um, you know, Alice Woods was just fantastic, and she opened up her heart and her soul. I mean, to talk about, you know, and, and sometimes, that, like, you bring your own um, experiences to the table when you interview, and I'm a mom. Right. Mm-hmm. As Dan just mentioned, when you're a parent, I mean, you can relate to a mother and what she must have felt like in this moment. So, I mean, we kind of bonded from that aspect of it, too. But she really helped make the story. One of these days we're going to have to on this pod tell stories about how we find people. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. Get the name of the dog. So uh, that Ronnie Harrison story. Yeah. I have a crazy 
path to how I came across somebody that nobody could remember this guy's name. But yeah. um, we'll save that for another pod. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, you never know what's going to happen when you sit down with these guys, but sometimes just the right thing gets said or you, you catch that right thing that you follow up on and um, mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows where it can lead? So right. that's one of the things that makes training camp fun and these interviews fun. Like I said, this is kind of the first of, we've got like three or four things just Mm -hmm. in the pipeline that are going to be coming out here over time. And I I think you guys will really enjoy it. So just to be sure, make sure you're a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. And of course, check out our live orange and Brown talk event. It's going to be at the music box supper club in the flats, which is a great venue. I'm going to put a link to that in the description of this podcast. Uh, so wherever you're listening on Apple or Spotify, you'll be able to click that link and uh, get info for that. And come join us for a live podcast taping on September 7th, I believe, at 5.30. So whatever. The details will be in the, the post. You have the date right. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Close enough. Uh, anyway, for Mary Kay, Ashley, and I, Rianne Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.